It is the best-selling book in history. No volume ever written has been more loved and quoted. And its words, sometimes simple and sometimes mysterious, should always be studied carefully. It is the Bible, the Word of God. Welcome to Bible Answers Live, providing accurate and practical answers to all your Bible questions. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Doug Batchelor. Hello, friends. Would you like to hear an amazing fact? What in the world was going on in 1844? Well, for starters... Karl Marx writes his economic and philosophical manuscript forming the foundation for the Communist Manifesto, the birth of communism. 1844, Charles Darwin completes his essay on natural selection, creating the foundation for evolutionism. The famous German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, who said, God is dead, is born. Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormons, is executed. Samuel Morse, sends the first electronic message saying, what has God wrought? The oldest Bible in the world, the uh, Codex Sinaiticus, is discovered in St. Catherine's Monastery on Mount Sinai, and the Industrial Revolution is at its peak. This was an interesting time in history. Plus, a million people around the world thought Jesus was coming in 1844. Why? Stay with us, friends. We'll talk about it on this edition of Bible Answers Live. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, accurate and practical answers to your Bible questions. Welcome, listening friends, to Bible Answers Live, and we're so thankful you've tuned in. And this is a broadcast. If you have Bible questions, give us a call. Phone number is 800-GOD-SAYS. That's 800-463-7297. If it's ringing, just give it a moment, and our uh, operators will pick up and get you in the queue And for those who have the Internet, if you want to join us, you can see what's happening here in the studio. And um, Pastor Ross and I are dressed up a little bit because we just came from a religious function. And uh, it's Facebook. It's the Doug Batchelor Facebook page and the Amazing Facts Facebook page. Either one, you'll see the program beaming and streaming there. And uh, my name is Doug Batchelor. My name is John Ross, and Pastor Doug, before we uh, get to our study today, let's start with prayer. Mm. Dear Father, we thank you once again that we're able to uh, take this time to open up your word and study, and we do ask your blessing upon this program. Be with those who are listening, Lord, and just guide us into a clear understanding of what the Bible says. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Doug, you opened the program talking about the year 1844. Now, it sounds like some very important things seem to happen that year really created a framework, you might say, for what was to unfold in the next 150 years of Earth history. But there's something else interesting in uh, that year 1844. It was also the culmination of a religious revival, an awakening that centered in North America, but also in other places around the world, where people had a particular interest in prophecy, Bible prophecy. There was a lot of studying of the scriptures, especially the books of Daniel and Revelation. Yeah, and in particular, there's a prophecy in Daniel chapter 8, and this is the longest time prophecy in the Bible. And there in Daniel 8, you can read in verses, oh, 
I'll say verse uh, 13 and 14, maybe start with verse 12. It says, the beast power is the context, would cast the truth to the ground and he would practice and prosper. Then I heard one of the holy ones, these are the angels that he sees in the vision. One of the holy ones was speaking to another holy one, said to that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. So this was a long time prophecy. And the starting point, you need a starting point to know what it's talking about, is given in the next chapter. The angel comes and he says, Gabriel says, Daniel, I'm going to give you understanding in the vision. And that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians. They were in captivity. And finally, the Persian king Artaxerxes gave that final command for them to restore and build Jerusalem. It's in your Bible, in Ezra chapter 7, 457 B.C. Now, in prophecy, a day is a year. So you go 2,300, not days, but 2,300 years to from... Uh, 457, and that comes to 1844. And you see this amazing shift happening in history at this point here on earth, and you've got several religious movements that are born. Uh, Some may be counterfeit, but uh, certainly a true one. And at the same time, Christ entered the final phase of his heavenly ministry. You know, Jesus is our high priest. And when he died on the cross, that was like the altar. When the... um, You first went into the sanctuary and then you continue moving through the sanctuary and there's the laver of water and then you go into the holy place and there's the the bread and there's the light and there's the altar of incense and the Bible tells us in Hebrews, Jesus is our high priest. Now friends, you know why we're talking about this right now? Do you know what today is for those who are listening to the live broadcast? This is Happy Day of Atonement. This is Yom Kippur. Once a year, the end of the year, The only time and the only person who could enter the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And Jesus is our high priest. And prophetically, he was completing a special work of atonement, or I should say beginning a special work of atonement, final judgment in 1844, and something was happening on the earth. Now, you know, in the Bible, it tells us in Revelation, there are seven churches. These are seven ages or epochs of church history. The last age of the church is called Laodicea. That means a judging of the people, which is what happened during the Day of Atonement. And um, it was a time when God's people would humble themselves before the Lord. They wanted to be prepared to be cleansed from their sin as the sanctuary was cleansed. And there was a special Yom Kippur Day of Atonement service, and that begins sundown where you are in North America. And um, it was mentioned in prophecy that in 1844, the last age of the church began, Christ began er, entered into his final work of atonement in heaven. When he's done with that, Michael stands up, and there's a great time of trouble. And we're living just, <laughs> it looks like we're on the verges of that now, friends. If you'd like to better understand these prophecies about the sanctuary, I just skimmed the surface. And what happened in 1844? We've got a a free offer that will show you from the Bible. We sure do, Pastor Doug. It's called Right on Time. And we'll be able to send the study guide to anyone who calls and asks. 
And uh, if you're fascinated to understand some of these deeper truths of Bible prophecy, you've got to call and ask for the study guide. It's called Right on Time, and we delve into Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, that 2,300 day or year prophecy. To receive the study guide, the number to call is 800-835-6747. That is the resource phone line. And as for the study guide, it's called Right on Time. Again, that's 800-835-6747. And ask for the study guide right on time. And Pastor Doug, maybe I just want to quickly add to that. Uh, you actually spoke on the subject this weekend. Um, and your sermon title... I forget it's the called name of it. 1844, what really happened? There you go. And you actually deal with some of these uh, prophecies, and it's just a great, I think it's available on YouTube. Or it, it it'll might be posted be soon. Monday on Monday. YouTube, probably. So it yeah. might be a good idea for our listening friends if you'd like to see that. We encourage you to take a look at that. And um, maybe even on your website. Doug it'll be Facebook on my page. Facebook page live. There we go. So folks can actually go see it. Matter of fact, you'll be the first person they see. Okay, <laughs> so they'll, they'll know so that they'll too. be able to see that. Uh, we're going to go to the phone lines now. We got uh, George listening in New Jersey. George, welcome to the program. Uh, good evening, pastors. How you doing tonight? Good. Uh, I wanted to mention that I just received uh, one of your uh, little booklets on the Trinity. I find it very informative. I actually haven't read it through; just kind of breeze through it. But I'll start reading it. But thank you for the uh, for the booklet. Oh, praise the Lord! Glad you're able to read that. Yes, I have a couple questions on the millennium near the end of Isaiah, chapter 65, verse 20, Isaiah 66, verses 18 to 20. Mm -hmm. These verses seem to be a little difficult to reconcile uh, with the belief that during the millennium, the earth is vacant of people, you know, it's it's barren. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm sure you've dealt with these verses before, but I'd, I'd know if you could uh, explain a little bit about that first one, Isaiah 65, 20, because... Yeah, talks about a time when a child shall die a hundred years old and the sitter being accursed. And at first it seems like it's talking about eternity, but then it seems to be talking about something a little bit more where sin is still existent. So right. uh, what's your opinion on that one? It's a hard one, I think. <laughs> yeah, let me read this for our friends that are listening, George. It says here in Isaiah 65, 20, and keep in mind, if you go back a few verses, it says, for behold, verse 17, I create a new heavens and a new earth. So you read in Second Peter, it's very clearly talking about when God recreates the world following the time when it's purged by fire at the end of the millennium. And God then says, um, in verse 20, confuses people. It says, no more, well, first of all, it says, no more is there weeping, no more is heard the voice of crying. That's again like Revelation 21, no more tears, no more death. And it says, no more shall an infant that live but a few days. Yeah, they had a high infant mortality back in those days nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child will die a hundred years old. Now people go, what? Children dying? I, I thought in heaven nobody died. A hundred-year-old child? This is actually a difficult verse because of the translation. The word die also means cease. And it says a child will not cease, meaning to be a child. Now that'd be remarkable if a child is still a child at 65. You know, Abraham didn't get um, have his first baby till a hundred. And you read in Genesis, a lot of the early patriarchs that lived long centuries, they didn't even get married until 90 or, or some of them older. So he, Isaiah is simply saying that the child will not even cease, not die. He will not even cease to be a child until 100. So um, it says they'll build houses and inhabit them. They'll plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. 
And uh, as the days of a tree, so are the days of my people. No one keeps dates or age for a tree. So it's uh, talking about eternity going on forever. It is talking about after the millennium. Okay. And then the other one was 18 through 20 of Isaiah 66. Uh, it appears we're talking about the coming of the Lord in verse 17, but then it talks about a time when people are going to be preaching the gospel or declaring the glory among the Gentiles. Uh, and if you look at it chronologically, it seems like it's happening after the Lord comes. So yeah. I want to know how you might explain that. It's a little difficult, too, to see. Yeah, I can understand. You know, the way that you read the prophecies in Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel, and some in Isaiah, they're not all written chronologically. Uh -huh. Some of these prophecies are, yeah, they're written so that they often come in uh, spurts. Isaiah doesn't even talk about his call or conversion until he gets to chapter 6. And uh, some of these are segmented. It is true that the um, it's telling us that the, G the Jews are going to have a great revival, God's people, bringing people to the Lord. It says the Gentiles will come to the Lord. Several places in Isaiah's writing, he mentions this same truth. So when you read it again here in chapter 66, I don't think you should st pin it chronologically. You know, there's three great comings that the Bible speaks of. You've got the first coming when Jesus came as a child, a baby. You got the second coming when it comes to the clouds of glory, and then you have the third coming at the end of the millennium. In the Old Testament, some of the characteristics of the first, second, and third coming are presented uh, together. And it's not until you get to the New Testament that you begin to realize there's actually quite a period of time between the first coming, the second coming, and then a thousand years before the third coming. Mm -hmm. But the prophets, when they looked in history and they looked forward, uh, a lot of the characteristics are kind of put together, and it's the last part of the Bible, the book of Revelation, it kind of divides it up for you. Makes it a little easier to understand. Thank you, George. Appreciate your question. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at 1-800-GOD-SAYS. Did you know Amazing Facts has a free Bible school that you can do from the comfort of your own home? It includes 27 beautifully illustrated study lessons to aid in your study of God's Word. Sign up today for this free Bible study course by calling 1-844-215-7000. That's 1-844-215-7000. We've got Catherine listening in uh, Washington State. Catherine, welcome to the program. Yes, hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Good. I really appreciate your program. It's wonderful. Um, my question is, I was raised keeping the Sabbath and the Holy Days most of my life, and then I mm -hmm. did do either one for a long time. And then finally, after your program and several others, I came to believe that the Sabbath was something that we should keep. Mm -hmm. And I, I really believe that. And but it's separate from the holy days. And I have a friend that I was raised in this religion with who's 92, who believes that the Sabbath and the holy days are the same, you know, the same. And I'm trying to figure out how to explain that to her. That there's a distinction. There is. Yeah. Well, you can, very quickly, and by the way, we do have a, a book, so just before I forget, that we'll offer you that has a lot more scripture than I can give you in just a few moments on should we keep the feast days. And, but if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 
Paul says, therefore purge out the old leaven that you might be a new lump since you are truly unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. So when Jesus died on the cross, keeping the ceremonial laws that pointed to Christ became irrelevant. Now we still need the weekly Sabbath. That's part of the 10 commandments. That was not part of the ceremonial laws. Ceremonial laws came many years later with the um, Exodus. And uh, so when the veil ripped in the temple, the ceremonies connected with the temple and its services, and this was at the death of Christ, they were nailed to the cross. You read about that in Colossians chapter two, these ceremonial uh, laws and ordinances were nailed to the cross. And, and now, um, you know, we of course keep the, um, we still believe in baptism and keeping the, the Sabbath, but um, not the ceremonial days. So you there, Catherine? I'm here. I'm here. I just, I'm just, I'm struggling with trying to, this woman has been in this for so long. She's 92 years old. And I, today is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Yeah. And I'm working tomorrow. And she said, you're working on the fast day. How can you do that? You know? And I'm just like, wow, I don't know what to say. Well, you know, get the book. It, it sounds like she's still pretty sharp for her age. Get the book and share that with her. And and just pray the Holy Spirit will work on her heart. Again, the number to call for that is 800-835-6747. That is the resource phone line. And the book is called The Feast Days. Should we keep the feast days? And uh, I think it's an important study. So call for that, and we'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks. If you're outside of North America, you can just go to the Amazing Facts website and get more information about that. We've got Daniel listening in uh, Arizona. Daniel, welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing, pastors? Good. And your question tonight. Okay, so um, I just wanted to be, uh, get a little bit of clarification um, with respect to the uh, grounds for divorce, obviously. Um, I, uh, I was asking a young lady there if uh, there's two biblical things that I read. Obviously, the, the, in the Old Testament, God's commandment, um, one of them says, thou shalt not adulter. And in the Bible, obviously, it says, that would be the grounds for divorce. Right. Um, but then Jesus alludes to that in the New Testament, but says that not only do you adulter, but if you think of, you know, lust, I think, was it lust? Is that the right phraseology? Yeah, Matthew five twenty seven. if you commit adultery in your heart, right. Yes. So I obviously I know the, the, the actual act, but can the thought also be... Um, Ground? No, that's. I'm glad you asked that question because I've heard people say that before. That's a really important question. Um, thinking something in any country in the world is not the same as doing it. Now, it is true. Christ is saying salvation, it, you need to have a change of heart. If a person's constantly thinking about uh, adultery and they're viewing pornography and thinking adulterous thoughts, then that's a sin. They're committing adultery in their mind. But that is not the same thing as committing the act. Of course, the act is reality. It's not just thinking. The act involves another person. No, no country that I know of will uh, put you in jail for having a, a thought of murder. <laughs> you know, now if they prove that you had a plan, then that's you know intent to commit murder. But if you, in your mind, think about committing murder, that is certainly not as bad as committing murder. And so, a lot of people they could say, "Well, I'm divorcing my husband because uh, I found a Playboy magazine in his house, in the house, and uh, he's thinking those thoughts, and that's the same as adultery." No, that's people are trying to widen the door by doing that. Now, I don't know if I'm answering your question, Daniel. Uh, absolutely. No, I just wanted to be clear on that. So, yeah, it, it tells us um, 
in especially there in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus tells the grounds. Sounds like you know that verse. I think he also mentions that same passage in Matthew 19. Now, we have a book we can share with you called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. If you'd like to learn more about this or anyone, want to learn more on what does the Bible say about marriage, the number to call for that is 800-835-6747. The book is called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage, and we'll be happy to get it in the mail and send it out to anyone who calls and asks. Again, that number is 800-835-6747. We've got Anthony listening in uh, New York. Anthony, welcome to the program. Good evening, pastors. Um, my question is based on First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13, and it reads, uh, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, um, I've, I, you hear a saying that says, uh, if you don't have trouble in your life, then you're probably not doing something right. Or you're probably not living your life right. And I guess it's based on the thought that um, Satan does not see you as a threat. Right. So he has no reason to cause problems in your life. So how do you know, is there any scripture that we can know when adversity is a sign of God's displeasure? Or is it just something that he's using to refine our characters? especially if we're trying to do our best to follow his will, yeah. but we still have problems and we still have fiery trial. How do we know the difference? Yeah, good question. You know, if you look in same book, First Peter chapter 3, uh, Peter says, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. If you're going through adversity while you're living a godly life, well, then you're a threat to the devil. If you're going to, you know, through adversity because uh, you, you're drinking and driving and got thrown in jail, you can't say, oh, I'm being persecuted for my righteousness. So um, good and bad comes to everybody. You know, Jesus said the rain and the sunshine falls on everyone. And even Job said, after he went through a lot of trials, said to his wife, shall we not receive good from the Lord and also receive evil? And uh, so it's a principle in the Bible that there's a battle going on and there's a lot of uh, casualties in the fallout of that battle between good and evil in the world. So everyone's affected, but uh, we want to make sure if we are going through persecution, it's it's for our righteousness and not our wrongness. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that, that does. But sometimes you just wonder, you know, am I doing something wrong or is this just par for the course in the great controversy? Are you going through fiery trials right now? Uh, you could say that in some ways, yes. Yeah, well... I'll tell you, we're living in the last days and we'll pray the Lord gives you strength because Jesus promises he'll not allow you to struggle or suffer more than you're able to bear. And that's first Corinthians chapter 10, but will with every temptation, uh, give you the courage to, to handle it. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of people in the world are going through some real struggles now with people lost their jobs and uh, parents are going stir crazy. The kids won't go to school, <laughs> staying home. And, uh, yeah. I think we're entering, you know, Bible talks about a big time of trouble before the end. We might be going into a little time of trouble soon. So, hey, thank you, Anthony. And I don't know if there's something special. You know, we do have a book, Pastor, I'm thinking about. It's called When the Brook Dried Up. And uh, it's actually talking about the Christian going through trials. Mm-hmm. What do you do when trials come your way? And again, the book, the book is called The Brook 
uh, dried up? Uh, why do Christians suffer? And I think uh, this is helpful for any Christian facing trials or difficulties. The number to call for that is 800-835-6747, and we'll be happy to send this out. You can ask for the book, Why Do Christians Suffer? And uh, we'll send that to you. Next caller that we have is um, Ashton listening from Kentucky. Ashton, welcome to the program. Oh, hey. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank you for calling. Yeah, I I really would like to thank you guys for all that you've done. Um, You know, I recently got baptized here um, last Sabbath. Well, praise the Lord. We love to hear those testimonies. And what's your question tonight? Um, my question is, um, because I'm trying to do some evangelism in my school, uh, but my question is, how do I deepen my relationship with Christ to the point where my light can show to others so they can um, come unto Jesus? Yeah, good, good question. You know, there's three secret weapons to strengthen our faith. Uh, technically, I guess you could say there's four, and you find them in the holy place of the temple. In that first room, before you entered the inner sanctum or the holy of holies, there was what they called the holy place. There are three pieces of furniture that outline the Christian's secret weapon to growing. You had an altar of incense, and that represented prayer. Tells us that in Revelation, I forget the verse, the, the altar is the prayer of the saints in Revelation 16, is it? And then you had the table of shewbread, which represents the word of God. Then you had a candlestick. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We are to be witnesses and let our light shine before men. So if you are daily reading God's word, communing with the Lord in a deliberate way, and doing something every day to try to share your faith and bring others to Christ, you will grow. And then the fourth thing I told you, do those things persistently and patiently. Continue to do them and get deeper in them. Revelation 8.4 talks about the prayers of the saints ascending up before God from the altar of incense. So, hey, we appreciate your question. And uh, we do have a free book that talks about the Bible and how it is an ultimate resource to have a revival. Matter of fact, we got a book called 12 Steps to Revival. I was looking at that one, yeah. I was going to suggest that's a great book. Um, Again, for anyone, the book is called 12 Steps to Revival. And the number to call is 800-835-6747. And ask for the book, 12 Steps to Revival. Pastor Doug, I'm looking at the uh, the time. We have about a minute before we're going to take a, a mid-break. But instead of taking a call, uh, we won't have to cut anyone short. But we do have something exciting. And it's so timely. But it's, the series is entitled Revelation Now. And you look at what's happening around us in the world. It seems as though these prophecies of the Bible are being fulfilled. And they are. Hey, listening friends, we're having a special program where we're going to talk about what in the world is going on right now in the context of prophecy, and it's called Revelation Now. This is something nobody should miss, and we're making it free to everybody. So if in your group, whether you're meeting in your churches or you're meeting in home groups or you're just by yourself, anybody can log on for free and participate in the Revelation Now seminar. We're going to be talking about some of the Great prophecies of the times in which we're living, the second coming, Antichrist, angels, Armageddon, millennium. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to hit all the big ones, friends. Go to revelationnow.com. And there at the website, it'll tell you how you can join us and be part of this uh, movement. I think we've got 115,000 people so far that have signed on as individuals and about 500 different churches And we think that number is only going to expand. So we're going to take a break. More Bible questions coming. Those of you online, don't go anywhere. We're going to be back and answer more Bible questions in just a moment. 
Stay tuned. Bible Answers Live will return shortly. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Through radio, television, print, evangelistic events, and the Internet, Amazing Facts International is heeding the call of Jesus to go into all the world. Millions of individuals in over 150 countries have been blessed by the Word of God. Amazing Facts has spawned new spheres of influence in India, Africa, China, and Indonesia. With each new country come hundreds of translated booklets, study guides, and video presentations produced in each region for the people of that region. Armed with these precious truths, gospel workers are empowered to spread bright rays of light on every path they travel. Please visit reachtheworld.amazingfacts.org to learn more about Amazing Facts International and how you can participate in this exciting soul-winning ministry. That website again is reachtheworld.amazingfacts.org. Thank you for your support. Can't get enough Amazing Facts Bible study? You don't have to wait until next week to enjoy more truth-filled programming. Visit the Amazing Facts Media Library at aftv.org. At aftv.org, you can enjoy video and audio presentations as well as printed material all free of charge. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right from your computer or mobile device. Visit aftv.org. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, where every question answered provides a clearer picture of God and His plan to save you. So what are you waiting for? Get practical answers about the good book for a better life today. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live. Hello, listening friends. We are back. If you've tuned in along the way, this is Bible Answers Live, and we've been doing this for about 25 years now, and um, inviting people to call in. We'll just do our best to answer Bible questions. I remember when I first started reading the Bible, it was just, there were a lot of mysteries there I tried to understand, and it was so exciting to understand the truth, because the truth will set you free. So we've committed this program to that purpose. If you have a Bible question, 800-GOD-SAYS, 800-463-7297. You can also watch what's happening in our uh, little mini studio here with Pastor Ross and I, and that's at the Amazing Facts Facebook page or the Doug Batchelor Facebook page. And that's me. I'm Doug Batchelor. My name is John Ross. We're going to go to the phone lines. We've got Jack listening from Colorado. Jack, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for taking my phone call. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. And your question? Um, I'm going to kind of jump around a bit because I'm ministering to a friend and kind of talking with him. And he believes, we'll start with, Nero is the Antichrist. And he also claims that and believes that the first resurrection happened in Matthew 27:50, And his biggest argument that I can't really get around is in Revelation 20, verse 
three, where it says, and uh, again, I, th I think this is kind of loose water, but he says, and after a short or a little season, right? Mm -hmm. So, so he thinks that a little season after Christ there would be a resurrection. Yeah, he uses Second Peter three eight. So let's talk about it because you, you've asked already. You've asked several big questions. So can I jump in and try and answer some of that? I'd love I'd love that. Okay. Uh, first of all, he I think he clearly believes in what they call preterism. There's three views on prophecy. Preterism, from the name you can tell it means pre. They think that all of the prophecies in Revelation are already they got took place in the first hundred years of Christian history. I think Nero was the Antichrist, and like you said, the resurrection there at the death of Christ was the first resurrection. Problem with that is you look in First Thessalonians chapter 4, it says the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Well, that clearly has not happened. Uh, there's very few people that believe preterism. Then another very popular view uh, it comes from uh, dispensationalism and Darbyism. It's uh, futurism is what they call it. They take most of Revelation from chapter 4 on, and they put it off in the future. And then you've got the historists, and Pastor Ross and I are in that middle camp. We believe, like many of the Protestant reformers, that you can see the panorama of history beginning in Revelation. John said the time is at hand. It began there, and it reaches to the second coming. And, um, yeah, the, you know, Luther, Spurgeon, Wesley, Zwingli, all of the great Protestant reformers, even Calvin, they were historists in their prophetic interpretation. So, um, yeah, there's a thousand scriptures we can give you that explains the resurrection hasn't happened yet. That's an exaggeration, not a thousand, but a lot. You there, Jack? I agree. Uh, yes, I, I'm listening to you, and I, I, I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to call, and I'm going to ask this question, but they're going to say all this. You've said everything that I expected you would say, and... I hate to waste your time, but I I love to get confirmation of what I've been telling him, and it's just you guys have changed my life. I I called in six weeks ago, maybe three months ago, and I lived in Las Vegas, and I was pining away in Las Vegas. I was a musician in Las Vegas, just doing everything wrong that I could do, and the Lord led me to Colorado, and now my whole life has changed, and it's really well. Praise the Lord! Uh, you guys are hey, Pastor Doug specifically. You have been a blessing. Amazing facts has just been a blessing to my life. So thank you for your input. So you found the website, Jack? You're right. Oh, of course. You found the Amazing Facts website. Okay, good. Then you'll find tons of information. <laughs> I I cannot wait. I can't wait to watch your your seminar. I've already signed up for it. I can't oh, wait to watch. Bless you, right? Well, you tell all your friends and enemies they need to listen now because we're running out of time. Absolutely. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate yes, your sir. call, and and I hope that helps a little bit. Thank you. All right. Next caller that we have is uh, Jake, listening in California. Jake, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi. I'm gonna I'm gonna get right to the point. I would like to know if I am saved. Would you like background ask why I'm asking that question? If you can give it, uh, summarize it quickly, yeah. Okay, because, um, well, there's another a pastor who, he, he's actually, he's brilliant. And he has sermons on uh, online, which I've read. You might might even know him. I won't say his name. Um, and he, he asked the question, how do you know you're saved? And I went through all the criteria. I really, you know, really doubt, according to what he's saying, that I am saved. Um, you know, I'm still sinning. Um, I have doubts about 
the truth of, of the Bible. Um, but I'm, I am improving, though. And it's just not like I'm, I'm all the way in. And basically, he says, you really have to follow the Lord. Um, it's, it's a gift, but it's something, it's not that easy. Well, let, let's talk about that. I, that's a great question, Jake. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are tuning in right now that are going, you know, I feel a little like that. How do you know you're saved? And you, do we ever feel good enough? Uh, you know, I think the key is that know that Jesus desperately wants to save you that he made every provision to save the sins of the whole world. He, in other words, he paid enough to cover the debt for the sins of the whole world. He can certainly cover yours. And if you are willing, if you come to him with a willing heart and you confess your sins and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. All my promises are like ropes of sand. And, uh, but I, w- I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to be in your kingdom. Will you forgive me and give me a new heart? He will change your heart. It may not happen instantly, but you, it's like a new birth. Well, a new birth usually has nine months of gestation. And then even the baby continues to grow. You come to Christ as a new baby and don't be discouraged if you fall as you're learning to walk. You keep giving yourself to the Lord. If you sin, you repent. The Bible promises he will, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. You become his child. He adopts you. He's not going to cast you off every time you make a mistake any more than any loving parent will cast off their child. And so don't get discouraged. You become God's property. And the more you love him, the better you'll follow him. If you don't understand everything in the Bible, don't be discouraged. Keep reading it. Your faith will grow. You know, we do have a book, Jake, that uh, we want to encourage you to call and ask for. And anyone wanting to learn more really gets to the basics called Three Steps to Heaven. And it kind of tells us what we need to do to confess our sins, to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. And we'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks. Just ask for the book, Three Steps to Heaven, and we'll get it right out to you. Yeah. Hey, Jake, are you still there? Yes, I am still here. I, I, maybe I misled you with my question. I'm, it's not like I'm a felon or anything. I'm no, talking no. about like I, I dislike people. In, and so, you know, you have to love your, your, your neighbor's. I love people, and it's very hard for me. Well, you know what? Join the cl- join the club. I don't even like e- You know, even the disciples argued with each other before the crucifixion. But I was just going to say that, you know, I'd like to pray with you if that'd be okay. Sure. And um, right now, so you believe that Jesus died for your sins, correct? Well, y- yes. Okay. And you believe that if you confess your sins, he promises to forgive you. Oh, yes, that's easy. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you believe the word of God, it says that he cleanses you from all unrighteousness and he gives you a new heart and you believe that and accept it. And you watch the Holy Spirit start working in your heart. So could I pray with you before we go to our next call? Would that be okay? Yes. Father in heaven, I just want to lift up Jake. And I believe there's many others listening right now that are struggling. They want to know that they're saved. And I pray they'll make that decision to come to you, to ask you to forgive their sins, to give them a new heart to adopt them as your children, Lord, and and then begin to lead them in that new path of life. And so give them the assurance that you can finish the work you began in their lives and that uh, you will not abandon them. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Jake. Get that book Pastor Ross talked about, and I think you're going to be blessed. Three Steps to Heaven. Yeah, the number to call is 800-835-6747. And again, ask for the book. It's called Three Steps to Heaven. 
We'll be happy to send this to you, Jake, or anyone who calls and asks. We've got Phil listening in Tennessee. Phil, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ross, Pastor Bachelor. My question is on um, when thoughts become sins. You know, I just got like an example that I thought of was, you know, like if he's like a daydream. A guy's out running errands. He's going into a store. Outside the store is some craft things for sale. Something catches his eye. Um, she thinks his wife would really like it. So if he looked at his face, he starts smiling. Uh, he sees the price on it. He thinks it's really fair. He's really smiling a lot. He goes ahead and buys it. He thinks that uh, she'll really like it. It's a gift for no reason. Um, maybe she'll cook my favorite dinner, and maybe we'll have some adult time later together. So where's the sin in that? But he's married. But what if that's a guy that he's thinking about his girlfriend in that? Where does the thought or the temptation become a sin in that? All right. Well, I think there's other people out there with you that are wondering, um, you know, at what point does a thought become uh, a sin? And, and uh, you know, our minds, if you tried to figure out how many thoughts, individual thoughts go screaming through a person's mind in a day, it's incomprehensible. No computer can keep up with it. Well, at least that's how my mind is. And my mind's all over the place. And sometimes I'm on my knees and I'm praying and talking to God. And I got a thought going through my mind. And I'm going, oh, Lord, forgive me. How could I dare think that? And I'm talking to you. And, you know, because a thought comes into your mind doesn't make it sin. It can make it a temptation. But I think a thought becomes sin when you receive the evil thought and you dwell on it and you ponder it. Someone said, you cannot keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest. So if an evil thought, let's suppose it's, you know, a lot of people struggle with uh, impurity, thinking about sex, and uh, if, you know, especially, you know, the forbidden variety, uh, if you're not married. And if the thought comes into your mind and you recognize that you got to go, well, now wait a second, um, Lord, forgive me. And you just redirect your mind to something else. Uh, sometimes I get, I was out in the world for my whole young life and I knew all the worldly music out there and some of the lyrics were just uh, diabolical. I'll walk through a store or somewhere and I'll hear some of those old songs and I get it in my head and I start humming it. It happened to me today. Well, the way I deal with it is I start singing a different song. Thinking it initially is not a sin. It's, is, is your heart chasing after it? And so, um, you know, that's the, that's the key, I think. Don't let it make a nest in your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, we do have a book. It's called, Is It a Sin to Be Tempted? And it deals with this. Every Christian, you know, if you're trying to live a godly life, there's going to be temptation. How do we deal with that? And I think everyone will be encouraged. If you'd like to receive that, the number again is 800-835-6747. That is the resource phone line. And the book is called, Is It a Sin to Be Tempted? And we'll get this to anyone who calls an ass. We got uh, Bakim listening from New Jersey. Bakim, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you today? Doing great. I came across this verse. I'm just trying to figure out what does it mean. It's it's Proverbs 22:16. It says, "He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and he who gives gifts to the rich, both will come to poverty." What exactly does that mean? That's great. Of course, this is written by Solomon, who was a very wealthy man. And and um, first of all, there's two principles in there. One is, and he, he links them together, um, someone who oppresses the poor. In other words, they're taking advantage of the poor and they're they're grinding down. Maybe they've got people that are they're renting from them and they charge them exorbitant prices and they charge them exorbitant interest so that they can uh, make themselves rich. 
in an unfair way. Um, that person, that's an evil behavior. But Solomon then says it's equally evil if a person is trying to manipulate the rich by uh, giving them gifts to get their way. You know, it's kind of like co government bribes. Both are bad. Now, Solomon was a king and he was exposed to those two things in his kingdom. So does that help or make sense, Beacom? Yeah, so so it, it kind of makes sense that Jesus stood out. You know, he didn't get into the politics of his day. You know, he stood out of the politics. It kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, well, yeah, Christ, the, only, the closest he ever came to politics when he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Uh, even Pilate tried to engage Jesus in local politics. He says, are you a king? And Jesus said, no, not a king of this world. My, my, my citizens would fight. And he let Pilate know, look, I'm not a threat to your government. I'm a threat to the devil's government. And so, yeah, Jesus tried to stay out of that arena, so to speak. But, um, you know, certainly his teachings, uh, he said, I didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. All right. Well, thank you for your call. Uh, we've got Henry listening in New York. Henry, welcome to the program. Yes. Uh, good evening, Pastor. Evening. Thanks for calling. My question is, um, when Jesus Christ comes, uh, no one knows when he's coming back. It's written in the, that even he doesn't know, but he is he is God. He's Jesus Christ in the Father. And the Son. How can he not know? Yeah, good question. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, uh, but not the angels, not even the sun. And people are going, what? Jesus is there by the Father, and he's God, and God is all-knowing. How come God the Father wouldn't let Jesus know, or Jesus would be ignorant of something as important as when he's going to return? Why would the Father not tell him? Now, Jesus is simply saying, when he was on earth, and he was telling the disciples about the signs of his coming. He said, no man knows the day or the hour. And uh, the angels don't know. Uh, not even the sun. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not going to give you the date. Now, there's two reasons for that. One is he was on earth. And um, he was a man when he was on earth. He, in other words, laid aside his divinity. So as a man, he did not take advantage to all of this supernatural knowledge. He laid that aside. Now in heaven, in his glorified state, I'm sure he does know. But uh, keep in mind, there are conditions to Christ's coming. And one of those conditions was the gospel of the kingdom was going to be preached in all the world. And so he told the disciples, look, I don't want you to say, you know, be saying, or here's the date of my coming, and you just wait to the day before, like paying your taxes, and then you get busy. He said, yeah, no man knows the day. Be ready always. You know, we do have a book talking about the second coming. It's yes. called anything but secret it talks about signs connected with the second coming and how christ will come mm -hmm. we'll be happy to send this to anyone who asks the number is 800-835-6747 and again just ask for the book anything but secret we'll be happy to send that to to you uh we've got matt listening in canada matt welcome to the program hey guys how's it going great and your question tonight yeah, my question is uh, based on Isaiah 58, verse 13. Okay. I was wondering if you could lend your understanding about that verse, especially the part where it says to not speak our own words on the Sabbath. Um, I was curious if that means, like, on the Sabbath we should only uh, talk biblical topics. Okay. Is it okay if we talk about general life as well? Yeah, let, let's, let me read this to you, and, of course, a lot of people are 
we got a lot of listeners on satellite radio. They're on the roads across the country. And um, so I want to read this. Uh, Isaiah chapter 58, 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, uh, when it says turn away your foot, people used to trample things that were being disrespected. Turn away your foot from the Sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day. And that, of course, is, you know, it's it's a sacred time for God. Turn away from the common interests and common work. Calling the Sabbath a delight. Now, that answers a lot right there. We should delight in the Sabbath. He's not saying I want it to be a drudgery. He wants it to be a blessing, not a burden. The holy day of the Lord, honorable. And you should honor him. So how do we honor him? It's a day with God, not doing your own ways. People lay aside your regular secular work or finding your own pleasure, seeking your own pursuits. Some people say, well, it's a Sabbath day, so my family and I are going to go snow skiing. And I say, no, that's not Sabbath keeping. Oh, but we're out in nature. I said, no, <laughs> you're not You're not keeping the Sabbath holy when you're doing stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's time to come together and worship God. You read in Isaiah chapter 58, it says, all flesh shall come together and worship no, I'm sorry, Isaiah 65. All flesh will come together and worship before me. So it's a time to come together and worship God, uh, encourage each other in the Lord. We shouldn't be talking about our own you know, work projects when he says speaking your own words, but it should be words of, of uh, you know, glorifying God. It doesn't mean you're just quoting scripture after scripture. Yeah, I think it's also there. The context of that is it's it's not a day to plan business yeah. where, you know, people would get together and, and talk and plan and figure out, you know, how much money they can get for this. It's it's not a business kind of day. So even our words, we want to be careful that we don't um, speak those things that will edify and encourage and lift one another up. Of course, there's nothing wrong in asking somebody how they're doing and right. visiting with someone. Uh, but I think there it's more focusing on speaking common things or work-related or business-related things that uh, people would often talk about during the week. You know, we have a book, Pastor Ross. It's on how to keep the Sabbath holy. Mm -hmm. And if um, Don would like, we'll be happy to send you a free copy and, or anyone that has a question on that. The number is 800-835-6747. Again, just ask for the book, How to Keep the Sabbath Holy. And we'll be happy to send that out to anyone who calls and asks. Um, Next caller that we have, let's see, we got uh, Don listening in Pennsylvania. Don, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. And your question? Well, it's in the Book of Ruth. I've been wondering about this for a lot of years. It's where Naomi sent Ruth to where he um, was feeding the wheat, and he was yes. asleep, and she had instructed her to lay at his feet. And then there was a covering over her, or she pulled a covering over her. And I was wondering what the significance of that was, or what that meant. Yeah, and you know, there were some customs back then that, um, there's some interesting customs in the book of Ruth. One reason we believe it's a true and an inspiring book is it was very perceptive about what the Middle Eastern customs were. Um, they also had uh, a custom where if you did not redeem your near kinsman, <laughs> you would take off your shoe and uh, you'd say, I can't do it. So the feet were very important. Jesus washed the disciples' feet and they had a custom. Now, when Boaz went to sleep and they were actually, I think uh, they were uh, harvesting barley and she went to the threshing floor. It was a big flat stone area where they would uh, shovel up the barley and they kept it separated from the dirt. And all the workers during harvest season, they wouldn't even go home. They just stayed there until the work was done. So he went to sleep and she was to go in quietly, uncover his feet, lay at his feet. And that was a symbol 
that she was saying she was appealing for his mercy and his recognition when you go to someone's feet like that. And she was asking him to redeem uh, Naomi and Ruth because they were the near kinsmen. They had lost their inheritance, their, their home there in Bethlehem when they had left, I think, 10 years earlier. And so um, it, was, it was a custom back then that when someone came to your feet, um, it may have also been a kind of a way of her saying, uh, I want to be your servant. Will you marry me? <laughs> so it's kinda, that's kind of what you get from the story, but it's not all spelled out distinctly. You any thoughts well, on that? Well, yeah. You know, I'm also wondering, she says um, she uncovered his feet. So he's sleeping outside. He's sleeping by the gray. We don't know how what temperature was, but if your feet are um, uncovered and it's cool, it's probably going to wake you up. So (laughs) one way she was (laughs) letting him know that she was there. Uh, But as you say, if you read on the conversation, she actually asked that um, he take care of her because he is the next of king. So um, it's kind of interesting there. Thank you, Don. All right, next caller that we have. uh, Time maybe for one more. Let's uh, see if we can use Jeffrey. Welcome to Bible Answers. Jeffrey from Washington. Hello, Astros. Hi, we got about a minute, Jeffrey. Can we do it? Yes, we can. Uh, my question is, Pastor, um, I was watching your your teaching on, on the angels, so I was wondering, science mentioned that we will only use a very small brain. Do you think it, it is God's plan since that we couldn't see the, you, uh, the angel brain? Now, I think Jeffrey is referring to a statement that I made that, according to neurologists, that humans in their lifetime, our brains are, the capacity of our brains when we're healthy is much larger than most people use. Uh, It's incredible that, you know, some people have a photographic memory, and you think about it, six years old, and they remember everything they've ever done in their life. How do you store all that information? And they say, well, that's nothing. There are some people who have actually had, it's called um, hemispherectomy. They have half of their brain removed because of some medical problem, and they're able to function with literally half of their brain. And they still live a normal life. And all the functions transfer from one side to the other. And so uh, that's one reason that we know evolution is not true. Why would God ever have us evolve and develop more brain? Or why would evolution ever make us use more brain, 90% more brain than you use? Except maybe we were meant to live eternally and, but I'd still need a backup after a few million years, I think. I'd, I'd need to download some of that. Anyway, hey, friends, we, before we go off the air, um, and we do have important announcements, so don't, don't change channels just yet. want to remind you what we mentioned at halftime. We're beginning Revelation now. It is going to be a Bible study spectacular, talking about some of the most important prophecies you find in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel and other books of prophecy. And it's going to explain what in the world is going on right now. And so everything's about to change, friends. Go to the website and you can join this. It's a free seminar. Nobody's going to be begging for money. We're going to be giving away a lot of free materials. And you can participate in your church, in your home Bible study group, or just as an individual. RevelationNow.com. Go join us now part of this free Bible study program. We're going to be doing 20 presentations on Bible prophecy. A lot of people charge for a program like this. It's all going to be absolutely free. And after you go and you log on, you say, wow, this looks like it's going to be exciting. Then send the link to your friends and uh, your enemies. Well, listening friends, you can hear the background music. Uh, If you've been blessed by the program, please keep us on the air. Go to Amazing Facts. 
www.ghostofgod.org and donate. God bless. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org. Tune in next time for more Bible Answers Live. Honest and accurate answers to your Bible questions. Written by the hand of God and spoken with His voice. Some words will never fade. Get Pastor Doug Batchelor's 12-part sermon series on the Ten Commandments by calling 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com. Hello, friends. Would you like to hear an amazing fact? Hello, friends. How about an amazing fact? Hello, this is Joe Cruz on the Amazing Facts broadcast, facts which affect you. Ever since 1965 with the first Amazing Facts radio broadcast, Amazing Facts has been using interesting facts from science, history, and nature to help share the gospel. It makes the Bible more approachable and easier to understand. We've compiled many of the most popular, unusual facts in this exciting new collection. Whether you're preparing a sermon, or you want illustrations for a children's story, or you just enjoy learning new trivia, this three-volume collection of the best amazing facts will be a wonderful resource in your home. Captivate and entertain your friends and family with these amazing facts books, and you'll lead them to God's truth. Get your copy today. For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com. Every year, 40,000 souls in North America end their own lives. Suicide is a terrible tragedy. And while it's difficult to talk about, we need to face it together as Christians. That's why in my new book, Choosing Life, I share the biblical perspective about suicide, answering some difficult questions about faith and salvation along the way, and offering practical tips that should help and encourage others. Get your copy at afbookstore.com or call 800-538-7275. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith-based ministry located in Granite Bay, California.